Welcome back to the Stronger by Science Fireside Chat series. I am your one and only host, Greg Knuckles, joined today by a special temporary... (coughs) Shit. Let's try that again. (laughs) I like it. I I say we keep it. Special temporary guest co-host, Eric Trexler. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, just fine. That, that was, that was an allergy cough. Uh, just making sure the listeners are aware of that. Don't send cards. Don't send flowers. I I have so much more life to live. (laughs) Um, so yeah, now that we've, now that we've definitely set a good vibes environment, um, how's it going, man? Uh, things are good. Uh, weather's nice. We could do an hour on weather today. I think, I think people would like that. Dude, we really could. It's been, it's been gray and overcast and pretty cold and very rainy in North Carolina. And the last three days have been beautiful. Um, and I'm here for it. Yeah. 70 Fahrenheit, which converts to some integer, well, probably not an integer in Celsius, but a number. I I think it's like twenties. Yeah, thereabouts. It's just been pleasant, but uh, but we are getting to that point of of the year where you are essentially dead. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was gonna say I, I get about a week of being able to enjoy spring. <laughs> uh, you know, the the sun gets warmer, everything's brighter, uh, and then as soon as I start being able to smell flowers, I know I am in danger. <laughs> yeah. um, but for the time being, it, it is that that blessed time of year where it's getting warm, but nothing is blooming yet, uh, and, and I can really enjoy it. All right. Uh, so yeah, fireside chat. We're talking about off-topic stuff. These are questions that we solicited from the Stronger by Science subreddit and the Stronger by Science community Facebook group. If you would like to get your questions in, either for just normal podcast episodes uh, for the podcast that Eric does that I'm in no way affiliated with or for fireside chats, uh, you know, join the Facebook group, join the Reddit community, and uh, you will have an opportunity to ask your questions. Um, You know, before we get into the listener questions, I, you know, we're, we're looking for questions from all over the place, right? Yeah. And my girlfriend sent me a link that was like, icebreaker questions like almost kind of first date type questions oh geez and i don't know why she had it so quick it seemed <laughs> it seemed book bookmarked so I, that's a different conversation we'll have to have off air do, do you want to start with some of those uh no just, i didn't read them it, it just, immediately just, became just a, so we can fight. get to know each other better <laughs> no it was i it became a very contentious argument i didn't even open the link as it should yeah uh all right so let, let's get right into it um Patrick James Barney asks a question that would probably be best for Trex to lead with. What are your feelings on Ohio State's shot at the title next year? You know, I saw this question. We're, we're going, this is our first ever like fully unprepared fireside chat where we're not looking at the same outline. So I might get stumped, but this one didn't stump me. Um, I knew this one was coming and it, it made me think about previous Ohio State playoff runs. And the only thing I know for certain is that you cannot predict them. So like when you think back to 2014, Ezekiel Elliott honestly had like a pretty slow year. And then the playoffs came, we put in our third string quarterback and we put up like 70 points a game. You couldn't have guessed that personnel who would be the key contributors there. Same thing goes this year. We didn't win a title, but we made it there. And, uh, 
yeah, a running back who was really a role player the whole season, all of a sudden, I guess, gets like 300 yards a game. That was just like a normal thing he did at the end of the year. So I have no idea, but I I do think the program's in a healthy spot. And so I like our chances. I'd say at the very least, we should still be interested in the season at the end. Yeah, so so I would say that there is a 100% chance that Ohio State wins the title this year. Uh, If you haven't already... Uh, taking out a home equity loan to put down a bigger bet. Uh, you're a fool. The, the 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 line is only going to get less and less favorable for you as a better over time. Uh, put put all your chips not on red, not on black, but on the scarlet and gray. Um, that's that's my take. You know what that reminds me of is um, one time GameStop. No, G- GameStop two weeks ago. No. What- <laughs> One time, a very reputable business coach reached out to me on Facebook. He saw that I was, you know, an aspiring fitness coach. He wanted to help me turn that into a nine-figure business with high-ticket revenue. And he reached out, and I kind of just, like, wasn't picking up what he was putting down. And he hit me with this question that I think you basically hit the listeners with. Do you hate money? If, (laughs) If you do hate money, ignore Greg's advice. If you don't hate money, take his advice and also sign up for that person's business coaching. Yeah. Uh, So on on that topic, this is something that uh, like three or four people did ask about, but I didn't put on the outline. Uh, But, but on the topic of do you hate money type interactions, uh, someone hit me up on Instagram a couple days ago and uh, I I don't know exactly what kind of scam he was trying to pull, but he, he was a big crypto guy and he was basically just like, look, if you give me money, I'll cut you in on my crypto mining operation and that will make you, you know, untold sums of wealth. And uh, I was just like, dude, crypto mining has an enormous carbon footprint. Uh, I do too, by virtue of the fact that I have like a fairly typical American lifestyle. Uh, I don't really want to contribute to that. Uh, like, like crypto mining has a carbon footprint I read comparable to, it was some small European nation. I think it was Denmark. Like, I, I think the total energy cost of crypto mining is comparable to the total electricity usage on a yearly basis in Denmark. Um, so I was like, yeah, man, hard pass. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm fine. And and he's like trying to guilt me about it using every hard sell tactic in the book. Um you know, like, dude, like this is literally free money. If, if you put, if you, it, it felt like, uh, it felt like Pat Robertson, like on the 700 club, uh, like, you know, if, if you sow $100, you will reap <laughs> much, much, much larger, uh, as if it's like an immutable law of the universe. But yeah, I, I've been, uh, I've been chatting with that guy for like two weeks at this point, And, uh, eventually he's going to stop responding because I, I keep, feigning enough interest that he keeps messaging me uh but it's like you know okay i I see what you're saying and then like pull back a little bit uh hopefully that has a satisfying conclusion dude if you ever miss a deadline i'm gonna say let me see your phone (laughs) how many scammers are you indulging right now because you, this is your thing. I mean, you nearly joined the Illuminati the other day. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and 
I know we have a lot to do. So the next time you miss a deadline, I'm going to say, all right, phone out. What scams are you entertaining? Oh my God. I, I, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah. Th- this guy who's um, like, I don't even know if this was a scam. I think, I think this guy legitimately thinks he's part of the Illuminati. Like his entire Instagram was like, you know, brother so-and-so, elder cleric of the Illuminati. Like, everything he posted was about the Illuminati. And he reached out to me, and he's like, do you want to join the ranks of the Illuminati elite? And I said, yes, absolutely. I'm very interested in doing so. (laughs) Uh, And he said, like, okay, so um, first you need to agree to our terms and conditions. And he lays out a lot of terms and conditions, one of which is, and I I realize I'm shooting myself in the foot here, um, If you join the Illuminati, you cannot let anyone else know that you are a member of the Illuminati. Sensible. And like, like you go, his fucking Instagram display name was like Brother George, Chief Elder of the Illuminati. And it's like, okay, that's, that's not really adding up. Um, But anyway, like it, it was just like standard terms and conditions. Like, you know, be nice to people. Don't tell anyone like whatever. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I agree to all of this. Um, am I in now? And he's like, okay, now you need to download WhatsApp to join our <laughs> to join the Illuminati WhatsApp group. And I said, look, man, I, I'm already too spread across the internet. Like there, there's way too many things that I'm already like responding to messages on. Uh, how did people join the Illuminati before WhatsApp? And he, he's like, this is the way it's always been. <laughs> so I, I guess I'm to believe that like, I don't know when WhatsApp started, but like the, the Illuminati, I guess didn't exist until like 2012, yeah. uh, which was news to me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love talking to people like that on Instagram. It's, uh, it, it's, it's one of my passions. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's move on. Um, Matt Turner asks, what pre-COVID activity are you most looking forward to when life returns to normal again? Um, so I got to be honest. Um, I'm mostly looking forward to doing stuff that other people like. Um, I, I'm fully content living the way I live currently. And I think you know that to be true. Uh, oh, yes. I haven't changed much. Um, but But I still empathize with with the fact that people around me are are living a very different life than they used to and they want to go back to things so like for example i'm certain that many of my friends want to go back to breweries and have beers there that would be terrific i i enjoy that uh i know my girlfriend wants to go have brunch somewhere which is ridiculous because i could easily make toast uh and beans you know so like i could do brunch but she doesn't appreciate my cooking as much of as our listeners do but just little stuff like that going to the brewery uh you know going to brunch but that's pretty much it for me what about you yeah so uh as alluded to um you know re- regarding joining the illuminati i i'm really big on joining secret societies um and one of one of the issues there is a lot of them uh, you, you join like a blood pact. You know, you uh, you cut your hand, the other person cuts their hand. You shake, your blood intermingles. It's a blood bond. Like it's and, uh, and that's a safe thing. Well, it's not anymore, and that's oh. that's the problem. Uh, I have not been able to join a single new secret society since since like January of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm really getting the itch again. Uh, I should download WhatsApp. 
anyway, uh, <laughs> no, to, to answer the question seriously. Um, so the, the only thing that I, <laughs> the only thing that I typically do on a weekly or did on a weekly basis that I don't anymore is, uh, play trivia at a bar and, we we could probably start doing that again because like they're still doing the trivia and like it's outside the tables are separated people wear masks uh instead of everyone congregating around the scores table when they're bringing their their answer sheet up now you uh you like submit it via an app uh so like we could probably do that again but i mean part of the vibe was just being able to to hang with friends you know uh get, get nice and loose eat some garlic knots, drink some beer. Uh, and so I don't know, like I, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to go back to trivia with like normal trivia vibes. I, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me. You know, I, I think that is a good point. It's, it's one of the reasons I haven't explored certain things that would be doable. It's mm-hmm. just because I'm like, well, the whole, the whole reason I liked it was the carefree vibe. And it, yeah. it's, it's very different to go in and, and feel like everybody's, you know, walking on eggshells and trying to follow these various protocols and stuff, which are important. But for me, I'm, I'm kind of like, whatever, I'll just have a beer at home. And instead of, here's my thing, instead of doing preset trivia questions, I just think about stuff and it's <laughs> just as fun. Makes sense to me. All right. Uh, Marcus Adan asks, zombie survival gear, only what you can carry on your person. What is it and why? You know, I've thought about that before and uh, I think I'm good. Like I'm just, if if the zombie apocalypse kicked off, is that the the scenario here? I I guess so, yeah. I would just go try to find a place uh, on a a lake or a stream with fish and and I would just kind of camp out there and if the zombies come by and get me, like that's fine. I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd be too troubled by it. Yeah, that's fair. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, no, I, I really want to survive the next 60 years of this barren hellscape. I'd be like, ah, it's probably going to get me at some point. Yeah, I, I mean, so for me, the the whole uh, zombie genre doesn't really do it for me. Like, as we've as we've talked about on the podcast before, uh, I am a determinist. I don't believe free will exists. I don't think existence as a zombie would really be that fundamentally different than normal existence you'd eat more brains yeah uh, i mean I think. yeah it, it, it's it, honestly it seems like a simple life you know <laughs> yeah. um instead of being troubled by all of your earthly desires there would just be the one yeah you just want yeah, more brains just brains that's yeah. all uh yeah n- no worries just just good vibes and brains um so yeah I, I i don't know i uh i would probably yeah, do something similar. Just try to get somewhere fairly rural. Um, yeah, and and just kind of like hang out, live a simple life. Uh, you know, really only focus on like have a life where I'm really just focusing on basic tasks of survival anyway. And honestly, at that point, if I did get zombified, I don't know that my day to day would change that much. Um, Instead of like you know going and finding berries or, you know, trying to get a fish out of the stream, you're just getting brains. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that really tempted me to make a joke that probably wouldn't be great for a, a Christian God, family okay. friendly podcast. Yeah. Uh, you, you can stay on brand. Yeah. You, you can fill in the blanks. I'm, dear I'm such a pure, a pure heart. <laughs> I didn't even go there <laughs> mentally. Uh, 
Okay. Um, all right. Moving on. Uh, this is a good one for Eric. Uh, Joseph Smith asks, I, for one, would love to hear Eric expand on his experience with online dating that was responsible for the advice of, and I quote, if you can't go down to the courthouse and get married today because you're already married, then that is too married. Um, I think that I have given you all the information that would possibly be necessary to connect those dots. But if the listeners need an explicit connection of those dots, uh, I did indeed date someone who purported to be fully single. Uh, Which is mutually exclusive with being married, correct? What's that? One would assume if someone's saying they're single, that is mutually exclusive with being married. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, I'm in this marriage, but it's an open marriage kind of deal. No, it was just a very simple, straightforward single. Uh, not like, um, oh, you know, in the process of a divorce, but it's not done yet. Just single. That was just the whole explanation. Um, and as you would probably imagine from the contextual clues, that did not turn out to be the case. Uh, there was a lot more marriage in that situation that I that, than I had been led to believe. Uh, so that led to conflict within our dynamic, um, you know. Uh, but that, that was, I, I think that's pretty clear, right? That's pretty much the whole story. Uh, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so Wes Johnson asks a question that I think is primarily directed at me. Uh, as the as the progenitor of the first and only anti-Dutch podcast, uh, any new developments on the Netherlands situation? Uh, that situation, of course, is the ongoing uh, existence of the Netherlands and, and what we're doing to try to correct that problem. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we, we tried to hire a mercenary army. Turns out uh, Eric Prince and company are, are quite busy these days, so... Uh, you know, there we we struck out on that front. Um, we've changed our tactics, so uh, this is a very opportune situation to announce that uh, the Stronger by Science podcast has a sponsor, uh, BulkSupplements.com. The Stronger by Science Fireside Chat series now also has a sponsor, and that is Exxon Mobil. Um, the Netherlands are like 70% of their land is underwater. We only need about four feet of sea level rise to overwhelm the levees uh, to take care of the Netherlands situation once and for all. So if you want to buy any fine petrochemical supplies, just go over to ExxonMobil.com. Use the code StrongerByScienceFiresideChat at checkout. Uh, I've been told that most yards... If you pump enough fracking liquid uh, down into the groundwater, you will find natural gas. Um, take it from the fine folks at ExxonMobil. Uh, so yeah, go over to ExxonMobil.com. Use the code Stronger by Science Fireside Chat Series at checkout, uh, and and we can we can solve the Netherlands problem together once and for all. And I think you should also mention. I'm pretty certain I didn't read the email closely, but. Most gas pumps, if you just go to the person working and say, I'd like the Stronger by Science discount, then they should help you out, right? They're not going to charge you more. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the worst case scenario is is that you don't get a discount. You might get a discount, though. So I, <laughs> I, I would strongly recommend trying that. Okay, uh, moving on. Patrick Humphrey asks, uh, 
I would love your thoughts on imposter syndrome, whether either of you have to deal or have dealt with it. Yes. Um, first of all, Patrick Umphrey, for my money, I know that this is going to be a controversial statement. The best magician in the fitness industry. Oh, 100%. So he should not have any imposter syndrome when it comes to his magic. That's for certain. Um, for me personally, uh, of course, you know, I've, I've had all sorts of imposter syndrome. Uh, when I first started recklessly speculating about fitness topics, I was too dumb to have imposter syndrome. I thought I was quite good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, several years ago, I was like, ah, I think I have this all figured out. Then I obtained more education on the topic and then developed, you know, pretty substantial imposter imposter syndrome because once you learn enough to recognize like oh wow i've been i've been applying very super level a uh, superficial level of understanding to these topics you know once you kind of learn how deep the pool is you're like oh man i thought i was in a much safer swimming environment um but then eventually you know you you get more comfortable with it you spend a lot of time reading and now i'm at the point where uh I know the topics where I should be uh, diving into depth. And, and then I know the, the topics where I shouldn't for the most part. And, and I think that helps a lot with, with imposter syndrome. And another, um, another thing that can help with alleviating post, imp, imposter syndrome uh, from my perspective is remembering that it's mostly, um, you know, if you're just trying to, inform people about a, a topic and you're interested in the topic and you're acting in good faith and you're not fully attached to your ego such that if somebody corrects you you're going to be just like devastated and defensive then i i don't think imposter syndrome really needs to be there you know i, I think we should all feel comfortable uh regardless of our uh credentials or experience level if you're interested in a topic and you think you have uh the you know and you want to discuss it in an insightful way, I, I think, uh, you know, I think we should all feel comfortable doing that. And then if you get corrected, then you'll, you'll learn more from that. And so I, I'm, I'm discussing it mostly, uh, in the context of like, you know, social media content and blog content, creating content, but it applies across the board. You know, if you're going into a venture and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm qualified or skilled enough, uh, as long as nobody's, I mean, you know, if you're going to be a surgeon, brush up, you know, <laughs> before you dive in. But for everything else, as long as you're going in with an open mind and uh, a reasonably uh, high comfort level with your ego and you won't get super devastated or defensive upon correction, then it should be fine, I think. No, I, I feel yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's worth kind of like nuancing what people mean and are getting at with imposter syndrome. So... Is it more a question of like, do I know, it, it, like, am I possibly overestimating how much I know slash how competent I am in mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing versus uh, do I think that I'm as good as or as competent as other people who are doing this thing, which aren't exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do think that. I, I do think that a lot of folks do tend to underestimate their own competence while also massively overestimating the competence of other people who are doing similar things to them. Uh, and so 
in my case, I have absolutely experienced a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, like looking around, especially early in my career at, at other people who did similar things to me and thinking like, oh man, like I, I am assuming that they know it all and have it all figured out. And I definitely don't feel like I know it all or have it all figured out. Um, therefore, they're way more knowledgeable and way more competent than I am. I found out over time that that largely wasn't the case. Like in, in many cases, they were more knowledgeable and more competent than me, but they weren't as knowledgeable or competent as I assumed that they were. Um, and, and like, so I, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I think it's relatively, co- I, I think that's a relatively common thing to just a- assume that everyone has it figured out and you're the only one who's floundering every everyone's kind of floundering and kind of confused and and doesn't have it figured out as well as as they might uh exude and put out there publicly uh but the the second um like the second possible dimension of imposter syndrome like do i have things figured out as well as i think i do i i think that that's uh I think of anything it, it, that has like tend, tended to work in reverse for me. Um, so, you know, my, my experience was similar to yours. Like pretty early on, I was like, oh yeah, man, I'm I'm really figuring this stuff out. There's a lot of areas where I feel like I can take a swing and add valuable insight. And now I look back on a lot of my early work and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you were a fucking idiot. Like should not have written that. Shouldn't have even like stuck my toes in that pool. Um See, I I think that I systematically overestimated both both my ability and competence and the ability and competence of everyone around me. Um, And now I'm pretty much in a place where I'm like, ah, yeah, like I'm kind of dumb, but that's fine. Uh, But it gives me comfort to know that like most other people are like kind of dumb too. So I don't know, like we're we're all just kind of stupid and confused and trying to figure this shit out together. That's a really good point. Cause I actually, um, one of my clients that I do like training and nutrition for, uh, makes a lot of content, very good content. And, and we were discussing this not too long ago. And I actually kind of said the same thing. Um, cause I, I talked about how I used to have a lot of imposter syndrome and I think it's gone down quite a bit. And I basically said like, I don't necessarily think I'm any better than I used to be a little bit, but not by a ton, but I'm just so much more aware that most people are bad at most things. <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, yeah, like, I don't think I, I, I have like, just, it's not like everything I do. I'm like, Oh, the second I start this, I think I'm exceptional at it. And I have so much more to add than anyone else. But I'm also like, you know what? I, I, there's a lot of people missing some obvious stuff here in this area. So like I might as well take a swing as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's that thing that you, you no longer overestimate everyone else's competence. Yeah. And that's, I, I told him if that's where you should be focusing your energy is on dealing with that side of it. Cause if you're waiting to like really get out there with your content creation for that moment where you're like, everyone else is that competent and I'm even more competent. Like you're never going to get there. Mm -hmm. Like your, your best hope is starting to recognize how aggressively you're overestimating everybody else's competence and skill level. For sure. Okay. Um, Taylor Oxelgren asks, 
Please discuss. If you were stuck on a deserted island, would rationing your food make you survive significantly longer? Or would energy balance just keep you trucking along? For example, eating all of your rations in one week versus over nine weeks. So th this is actually a physiology question, uh, which we tend to avoid here. Do, do you want to take a swing at this? Because I, I, think, I think I have an answer, actually. I, I want to hear your answer. So I think there... I think there's a third option that is actually the best one. So, uh, you know, ultimately you're trying to, um, so the, you're, you're dealing with energy balance, you know, calories in versus calories out and the amount of calories you can consume. If, if we're assuming that these rations are non-perishable, that is a fixed quantity. Therefore your goal to survive as long as possible is to minimize calories out and so I think your best option would not be to ration, say like eat one week's worth of rations every week, but instead to start by fasting and basically starving yourself until you're like relatively close to giving up the ghost uh, and then ration from there. So by initially losing weight and also probably getting some some depressions in in basal metabolic rate from you know, being in, in a starving state, uh, that's going to lower your energy expenditure. And therefore, once you reach that point, you should be able to stretch the rations you have longer. So that I, I think that that's, uh, th that would be a very unpleasant thing to do, but I also think it's probably the optimal strategy. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, for me, again, it's kind of like the the zombie thing like if, if a solution isn't sustainable i'm not into it so i think what i would do if i'm being honest is i would just eat the the smallest acceptable amount that isn't just absolutely treacherous and try to find a more sustainable option for providing some kind of long-term calorie solution and if that if that doesn't work out then i'd say well i did my best <laughs> very fair all right uh vladimir lenin asks uh if you could design the perfect human to excel at your chosen sport, what would that human look like and be like? And and there there were further clarifications that it's not just like your sport, but but kind of like any sport if if we just want to riff on it a little bit. I mean, I I would uh just like have LeBron James play basketball. <laughs> like or have Usain Bolt sprint <laughs> like I don't know I, I I appreciate the question but I I take I get so much more joy out of just watching actual people do insane things and like you know like, like they would do all the graphics when the Olympics were on about like how Michael Phelps is like built to swim mm -hmm. like I I think I honestly think in a lot of sports we actually have gotten some pretty good a pretty good idea of like what is the ideal scenario here in mm -hmm. terms of structure and function? And uh, yeah, I, I just, I much prefer to just appreciate the stuff that's for real, but that that's a, that's a personality trait for me. Like, you know, that I find, I find all works of fiction to be annoying and tedious. <laughs> like, I feel like there are so many good actual stories that I haven't heard yet. I'm like, why would I busy myself with a fake story? Give mm -hmm. me the real stuff. So I, I think there are some, I think there are some answers to this question in uh, in domains where it's obvious that extreme body types excel, but maybe just like in the in the course of normal human events, 
the the most possible extreme version just doesn't crop up ever. So I, I already responded to to this comment on Reddit, and I said like an eight foot tall pitcher with extreme extremely long arms and a completely indestructible owner owner collateral ligament. They would fucking hose people who weighs like four hundred pounds. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like. I mean, they wouldn't. Well, I guess they would weigh that much if they were eight feet tall. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, usually the the heavier pitchers have a pretty good go of it. In yeah. In terms of a long term career. Yeah, yeah. But just like, I mean, even take like Randy Johnson and add like oh, two feet to him. Dude, you know? Randy Johnson was the best. He was so good. Um. He he stopped. I I think he stopped pitching because he got bored. <laughs> Do you remember his slider? It was oh. it was sick. It was so sick. Yeah, you're really bringing me back to my childhood. I used to love baseball. And there was that time where pitchers were just, you had uh, the ones that jump out to me. You had Randy Johnson. You had Pedro Martinez. Mm -hmm. It was such a good era of pitching. And they were all so unique in their delivery. It was It was wild. Uh, and then like towards the end of that era, you had like Johan Santana. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, had his slider that just dropped off the table when him and uh francisco liriano were both on the same team and at the height of their powers uh i was gonna say that was must much watch must watch tv no baseball is ever must watch tv (laughs) but uh it was it was fun on sports center top 10 (laughs) yeah oh when when barry zito had that curveball oh yeah god that was wild what was what was the name of that giants pitcher that had the crazy leg kick god Uh, was it nomo no 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 um just just talk about other pitchers for a second i'm gonna remember this guy Oh man, I, I don't. So I, I was going to say, uh, we're, we're talking about that era back then, but one of the things that I always think of with pitchers is, uh, Bartolo Colon pre-existed and survived past that era. Mm-hmm. His career blows me away. Bartolo Colon was a high level pitcher. Big sexy. Tim Lincecum. That's who I was thinking oh, of. Oh yeah. Yeah. A- yeah. Undersized power pitcher who did everything in his power to get like maximum rotational velocity to just mow people down yeah he 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 was a bright star that burned out fast i think partially due to his very extreme mechanics but yeah when he was at his best he was so fun to watch yeah that is one of those things with with pitchers and their durability is uh, there are so many promising pitchers who their career is just kind of a flash in the pan because it's such an extreme task to put your body through Mm mm-hmm and i mean i can't even begin to fathom how many excellent pitchers get weeded out of the process from just having uh you know elbow and shoulder issues early in their career you mm-hmm. know 13 14 15 years old uh you wonder how many exceptional talents there there could have been out there who just didn't have the durability to, yeah. to make it happen but you really put your elbow through hell man dude i i miss uh I miss what I consider like the golden era of the pitching ace. Because, uh, like, have you watched baseball recently? No, I haven't. That's that's what I figured. I I fastidiously avoid regular season baseball, but I'll, I'll turn on the playoffs a little bit. Yeah, the game has changed so much with how pitchers are used. Because, uh, like, the nerds went into 
the so-called fake news data uh, <laughs> and, and basically found that uh, starting pitchers get progressively less effective as, you know, their arm gets tired or during an outing as the opposing lineup sees them more times. And so, you know, I, I, I remember like, you know, if you had, if you had two aces, two number one guys in the rotation going at each other, a a bad outing would be if one of them got pulled after six innings. Generally, they were going seven, eight deep, and if they really had the juice, you, you'd you'd see a nine inning pitcher duel, and that was yeah, that was great. When I was a kid, that was always the the idea you had in your head was the you know the ace pitcher who was drenched with sweat, you know, yeah. bottom of the ninth. He's thrown a hundred and seventy pitches, like yeah, but but he still has the juice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. he looks like he just fought a war. Yeah. Uh, you just don't see that anymore. Like there, there are still, there are still a handful of guys that they'll, they'll put them on the mound and just say like, you know, you're out there until your stuff stops working, but they're, they're pulling starters in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning typically these days. Uh, and I mean like they, they have, a most teams just have a stable of relievers that are just carbon copies of each other. There's, they're six, seven, they have a 97 mile an hour fastball, decent breaking pitch, put him out there for about 30 pitches and then put the next guy in, which like is statistically a more effective approach to pitching. Yeah. But, but I don't like it. Well, you see, we, I, we talked about this off air, but I, I, one of my biggest goals in life is to never be the curmudgeonly old man who talks about back in my day when things were done right. Yeah. But man, I miss like, small ball you know i miss like the contextual factors of baseball that were well i mean they, they also juice the ball well that was great i, I loved that <laughs> how, how can you how can you like small ball and the juiced ball so i liked when back in the day you would turn on a baseball game and somebody uh who may or may not be pickling their liver <laughs> with oral <laughs> anabolics someone who's uh whose brow line and jaw line changes year over year. <laughs> yeah, but you would turn it on and you say, what am I going to see today? Is it going to be an artful masterpiece of getting the runner from first to third? Or is this guy going to hit the ball 750 feet? I don't know. But I don't know. The, the game could be, uh, you know, so they might put up 11 runs today. Who knows? But I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I enjoyed... It seems like right now, baseball, I, I watched a little postseason, and it's pretty much, like you said, relievers coming in left and right, and home runner which, bust. Which is even more magnified in the postseason. Yeah, and home runner bust. Yeah. Like, you don't you don't have a lot of the, ooh, the guy's on second. How are we going to get him over? We got one out. Yeah, you know? what, what, what the analysts call three true outcomes baseball. You're, yeah. you're going to hit a home run, strike out, or walk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I kind of miss the... Uh, I loved baseball growing up. It was my favorite sport to play by far. And uh, yeah, it's it's lost some of the organic feel. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's, it's I, I admit, very hypocritical because apparently there's a huge R baseball community. Uh, you know, as much as I love R statistical software, apparently a lot of those analytics are going down with a bunch of R nerds. So yeah. you think like, oh, here you go, Eric. This is what you've been asking for. And uh I take it back. I, I loved the the more organic feel of the way it used to be played. Yeah, I, I simultaneously recognize that uh, baseball is played at a higher level than it's ever been. Yeah, um, 
and the the analytics folks have have revolutionized the sport like they're 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 they find, solved it yeah they're they're finding better ways to score runs and prevent runs from being scored yeah. than, than ever before so it is it is uh technically a more proficient product than it's ever been but, but yeah I, I i liked the rough edges you know yeah oh well that's fine uh are, are there any other sports where you would like to craft the perfect human um no but i did want to hit on somebody asked the question what's the most impressive sports stat so yeah. if you were moving yes. off sports this would be a good time to drop that um this is basically just me marveling at two individuals and a lot of people are going to cringe these people are at the top of their game which means that you either love them or hate them can we take a moment to just appreciate the fact that lebron james and tom brady are both in their late 70s and like you know a, a legitimate regular season mvp mvp candidate in lebron and Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl with a new team with no offseason. And, and and probably had like the third or fourth best regular season of, of anyone in the league this year. Yeah. I, I just for me the stat is just date of birth. How are how are they doing it, man? Like yeah. I, I really find it to be uh just fascinating and, and so impressive to see how athletes are able to extend their career. Uh, some athletes are able to extend their career and not just, you know, hang around for a while and make the roster, but really come in and change the game. Like it, it's so impressive. So uh, as a, as a result, I'm not eating tomatoes anymore. You know, I, <laughs> uh, Tom Brady's got that guru in, in his corner. Who's given him all his mineral drops and telling him to stop eating everything with flavor. Uh, make sure you consume enough water so you're immune to sunburns yeah if you're not familiar because i know we've got uh, a lot of international listeners who might not be up to date on the nfl it's called the tb12 method and it's it's just a whole bunch of pseudoscience and just like weird stuff like he doesn't eat garlic right no garlic no onions no yeah no, no alliums no nightshades yeah so I feel like with, with that level of sacrifice and, you know, I don't even care about food, really. Just give him the, the trophies at that point if he's willing to give up all that stuff. Yeah. To, to be clear, we're, we're not promoting this. Uh, no, 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 no. One of the dudes behind it, I think his name is Alex Guerrero. Yeah. Um, I don't know all of the details. So these are I, I will just say ju just put the word alleged around everything I'm about to say. So, so we can't be sued, but I'm pretty sure back in the day, he, uh, he either, I don't think he did prison time, but I think he got called out for the FTC for fraud. I think he was selling something like a green supplement, uh, that he claimed cured like cancer and AIDS and, oh, wow. uh, heart disease. I mean, it, it could contribute to like slightly lower heart disease risk, but he's like, they, they get it, awfully picky about those types of claims, though. At yeah, the old FTC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, eating more greens is probably a good thing, but it's not going to cure AIDS. Um, but yeah, so that's that's one of the that's one of the minds behind the TB12 method. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't don't take anything we're saying as as an endorsement no no I, I i like to be facetious about it because a lot of the recommendations are so silly um, but given what i do for a living i should be clear i'm not advocating any aspect of that approach but 
it, it still is just one of those things where uh, his longevity's just been remarkable. He's still got zip on the ball. He does. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at other quarterbacks who've played into their 40s. Like, Manning was done. That's partially due to the yeah. the neck injury. Like who who knows how his career would have gone without that. Um Drew Brees, I mean, still very competent game manager, uh, still pretty accurate, but I mean, he couldn't get the ball twenty yards downfield this year. No. Brady's older than he is and and he's still he's still chucking bombs. And Brady looks younger than he did ten years ago. Yeah. Which is weird. There's something going on there. I, I I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um. So my my favorite uh, crazy sports stat is um. So in the world of squash, uh, this is I believe the athlete with the longest streak, the longest unbeaten streak uh, in any professional sport, and that is Jahangir Khan. Uh, he was a squash player and, uh, between 1981 and 1986, he won 555 consecutive matches, uh, five years straight. No one in the world could beat him. Um, which is absolutely remarkable. That is very remarkable. Um, the, the other one, which I'm going to toss this out here for, for, uh, the Australians who are listening, uh, I'm I'm well aware that Bradman was was the god of uh of cricket. I don't care about cricket. Whoa. I don't really care about squash either. Whatever. Th- those those are probably the those those two and uh uh Corellan's Greco-Roman wrestling record. Yeah. I, I would say are, are probably the the three craziest to me. Yeah. Kale Sanderson also had a remarkable run as a college wrestler. I think he was I think he was like 160 something and oh something around there but like he basically went to college won everything and then was done with college it was just like a complete four-year career four national titles undefeated every year just crazy you love to see it yeah uh okay so uh moving on uh Identity underscore crisis underscore asks, who are your favorite fitness influencers by sense of humor or personality? Uh, I saw this one in one of the threads and somebody got it right. Uh, Lee Peel. She's awesome. Um, That was me. Oh, you put that in there? Yeah. Oh, I didn't look at the username. (laughs) Uh, No, but Lee's awesome. We invited her to be part of our permanent friend group and she uh, respectfully declined. Um, which was probably the least cool thing that she's ever done. I'd say it, it was, I mean, that might make her more cool. It might, yeah. It's, it's that <laughs> the exclusivity. Yeah. Maybe I didn't even think she was cool until she decided she didn't want to be our friend. And then I was like, damn, she's so cool. What, what we've learned here is that negging works. <laughs> exactly. No, the thing is there, there's a lot of awesome people in fitness. I mean, you, you, you're going to have a better answer for this than me. Cause I'm, I'm a new kid on the block. You know, I, I've only been in this world for a couple years. I, you know, 2013 to 2019, I was just in the basement lab, just doing research stuff. So during that whole time you were out there networking and, and building, uh, friendships and whatnot so what's your answer uh yeah so um i think the the people i just said right off the top of my head on on reddit were uh 
So the the question didn't specify whether we're talking about like uh, like online persona versus like in person interactions. I am not the person to answer about online personas because I don't really follow that many people online that closely. Uh, but in terms of people who are just really fun to hang out with in person, uh, Lee is great. Dean Somerset is very funny. Um, one of the funnier people to to hang out with who you would probably expect the very least is Mike Tushier. He's fucking hilarious. Um, Eric Helms, fun to hang out with. Uh, my, my Irish friends, uh, Danny Lennon. Dude, Danny is so funny. Yeah, Danny's um, very funny. I don't I don't think that comes across much on his podcast, but like Danny's cool as hell. Yeah. Um also someone who I think is like relatively big in the Irish powerlifting scene, but but uh probably doesn't have much purchase across the pond, but uh one one of my favorite people in the world to hang out with is uh Garbin uh from yeah. Limerick. Gar is incredible. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i going to stop there, not because there aren't more fun people to hang out with, but as the list gets longer and longer, uh, other people I've hung out with might say, well, he said all these other people, yeah, why didn't he say me? <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm going to stop there, but there, there are, uh, I, I would say like of the fitness folks I've hung out with, more of them are fun to hang out with than not fun to hang out with. Yeah. Um, our, our little area of the fitness industry, I, I think, I, I think most of the folks are, are pretty cool, pretty fun. Yeah. And if, if I could add a couple, um, I haven't actually got a chance to hang out. I mean, everyone on your list that I've met is awesome. I haven't got a chance to hang out with Omar yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because since we've started really interacting a lot, you know, co- uh, COVID and travel and stuff off the table, but he's been way kinder to me than anyone really should. Like, I don't <laughs> think people know how good of a dude he is. He's very, very mm-hmm. kind. Um, and two others, I was in Finland. This is on the research side, but uh, Yuha Homi and Yuha Atienen, mm-hmm. you think uh, they do very, very rigorous solid research and you think okay a couple brainiacs you know you you hang out with them talk shop i'm sure it's fine dude just sitting down having beers talking about golden era bodybuilding Mm -hmm. you know just talking classic oh it was great man like way cooler way chiller guys than you could possibly imagine so two other people i'd throw out there who who i I think put more on like the athlete side of things than like the fitness influencer side of things uh, are uh, Screamer Manual and L.S. McLean. So one one year uh, at EPC, we were I think we were driving back from Dublin to Limerick and uh, we, we were, you know, in a in a small compact car. They don't you know, they, they don't make big cars in Ireland. Uh, so we were we were in there tight. Uh, Gar was driving. Lindsay was in the front seat, and then the back seat was me, Screamer, and LS. And those are also some thick boys. So we were <laughs> yeah. we were in there like sardines. And you know that that was like an hour and a half long drive. And I don't think we stopped just rolling with laughter the whole way home. Uh, 
Like I, I, I legitimately had like a stomach ache by the time we got back just because like I was laughing so much. Like we, we were all just completely fucking dead by the time we got back. That, that, that is probably, uh, the, the, one of the funnest hours and a half of my entire life the, the, both, both of them are so funny. Yeah, that whole gang was, or I mean, many of the folks you've mentioned have been at the European powerlifting conference. Like yeah. that's uh, so if you want to meet a bunch of very cool, very fun people, that'd be the place to go when it's uh, back up and running in person. <laughs> I would say my three favorite fitness events I've ever been to are the three years of the European powerlifting conference. It's, it's so fun. Okay. Uh, now that we've induced a bit of FOMO, um, let's induce more, I guess, in ourselves, maybe. Uh, so Mickey Dugues asks, first place you guys want to travel when it's available. I imagine everyone is clamoring to get out and vacation or explore again. Yeah, um, I, I want to do a lot of uh, domestic travel. Uh, so international travel, very cool to all of our international listeners uh love you but there's so much <laughs> but there's so much uh like america's wild when when you think of the the different regions you can visit and how much variety there is like i mean i want to go to the rocky mountains i want to go you know out to california i want to go to the pacific northwest uh i'd love to go see utah i want to ski in a billion different locations many of which i just named like I want to go out west and really just live it up. Uh, I want to see Yellowstone National Park. When you consider all the, the different topography, the different climates that you can access just by hopping in a car and just driving out there, I, I really, I, I guess one of the things that I should also mention is uh, whenever possible, I prefer driving somewhere rather than flying. Like, not like a super long drive, but if I could drive out West uh, or, or fly out West and then just like hit a few different spots by having a day of driving to here, then a day of driving to there. Like, I don't really want to hop in the car and just go straight to the coast for like, how, how long does it take to drive from here to California? Ooh. Cause you've done it, right? Yeah. I, I've, I've gone there and back. I think it's, I think it's around 40 hours total. Yeah. That was going to be my guess actually, uh, which is about 30 more than I'd want. Less than that if you do the cannonball run, though. Yeah, that's true. But no, I, I really just want to get out, mostly out west, and just take a bunch of trains and cars and, and really live it up. Sweet. What about you? Um, I just kind of want to go to the beach. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's not that far away, but I, I, I just love the North Carolina Outer Banks. Uh, you know, just, just get a little place hang out in the sand, maybe do some fishing. We could, uh, we could do that soon. Yeah, we could. If we wanted to. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, <laughs> I might be cheating a little bit. Uh, we're going to the beach this summer. Yeah. We, uh, we're, we're going with my wife's family. Uh, and I don't foresee any travel prior to that. Um, the outer banks, by the way, one of the coolest things about it for people who aren't, uh, familiar. So it's these barrier islands off mm -hmm. the coast of North Carolina and blackbeard the pirate that was where he posted up right that was yeah. like where he he did his thing um but the coolest thing about it is that 
there there used to be a bunch of like Spanish ships that would come in and they'd have a whole bunch of horses and stuff. And there's still a ton of wild horses out there, which like for North Carolina is a, a unique thing. It's not mm-hmm. like a, we're not like out in the wilderness where there's a lot of really cool wild animals roaming. So like uh, my girlfriend and I went out to the Outer Banks a year or two ago and like we're just walking down the beach, uh, no humans in sight and just happened upon a group of like five wild horses. And it was like, it was pretty wild. It, it was really, really cool. So th- that is a beautiful area. And it, because it, because it's kind of isolated out there, mm-hmm. it's so chill. Like, it's not like there's a bunch, it's not like a busy area. You just get out there and it's very good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think most people who know about Carolina beaches, the first thing that probably comes to mind is, is Myrtle beach. Yeah. The, the North Carolina barrier islands are, are not Myrtle beach. And I, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> and we probably actually, I'm going to edit this out. We shouldn't be telling people about the outer banks. Cause the more people know, the less chill it's going to be. Uh, I mean, so one of the things that keeps the outer banks from getting that crazy is like, most of them are, are a quarter mile across. Like yeah. you go, you go West an eighth of a mile and you're at the sound, you go West a quarter of a mile and you're in the ocean. So, I mean, you you couldn't build a Myrtle Beach on the Outer Banks. Yeah. So I mean, I I, I think it's pretty chill. It is cool. It, it, you really feel like there's a single road, water on the left, water on the right, and uh, as many buildings as you can fit between them. Yeah. Like it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's great. Um, outside of that, uh, when right before COVID kicked off, Lindsay and I actually had a trip to Costa Rica planned. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll probably do that at some point. We also had a trip for one of Lindsay's sisters planned. So we, uh, a graduation gift. We we're going to go around Spain with her. I really want to visit Spain. Uh, like I, I want to see kind of the, the Caribbean vibe, like in, in Southern Spain. I want to go visit Basque country. Um, I want to I want to see the pigs that are very the the uh the, the ones that Iberico ham comes from where they feed all the acorns and whatnot. Um maybe do some stone lifting. I Spain seems super sweet. Uh and hopefully that will be back on the docket somewhat soon. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Okay. Uh were were there any questions that you pulled out that you strongly want to get to tracks? Um no, I think uh, a lot of people wanted to hear about me cooking, and I just wanted to give people a little update on that. So that that, that was the last thing I had pulled out. There, there okay. were there were a lot of food and cooking questions. So if there was anything non cooking related you want to cover, we can, and then we can we can end on some some food content. No, let's go, let's go on to the food stuff. Cool. Uh, a lot of people want to know about your recipes, and a lot of people want to know about uh quick and relatively healthy recipes uh which i i figure yours will be one of those and i i have one good to go too so i uh, figure you can start bad news folks uh so i've been taking my minimalism to the extremes lately in all aspects of life but that includes food and so I used to do all these elaborate recipes uh I, by the way i'm pretty annoyed at what you pulled we haven't talked about this. <laughs> I posted a, a rice and beans or no, a rice and chicken recipe a while ago. And I used a, a flavor paste with a lot of tapioca starch. 
And that was the one ingredient that I mentioned. And the next day, you're out here posting about tapioca starch as if you invented the stuff. No, no citation, no attribution. How much tapioca starch do you think was used in in the particular flavor paste that you whipped up? I don't measure stuff. I, I eyeball it. You you eyeballed uh, the manufacturing of the sri racha that you put on your rice and chicken? Correct. I mean, yeah. Okay. Anyway, people are, have grown accustomed to me putting together these elaborate recipes. Dude, like I'm pretty much just eating rice and beans now. <laughs> like That is pretty much it. I just pop open a can of beans. I did get a rice cooker, which I recommend unequivocally for all people if if you can get your hands on a rice cooker uh it's changed my life it's like all i eat now so it's it, it's pretty terrific but i don't know if i'm gonna have a lot of recipes forthcoming because it's I, i've really gotten to the basics so like uh most of my meals lately have just been rice and beans and then uh last night i had for dinner a can of baked beans and three slices of bread so th- there's a recipe did did you put the beans on the bread? I didn't even do that. Damn dog. Yeah, but I, I've been enjoying. Uh, I, I'm sick of stressing myself out putting together all these elaborate meals. I'm just simplifying <laughs> things and relaxing a little bit. But what you, you said, you had a recipe. Uh, yeah. So, um, just as a note, if you're interested in some some hot, relatively easy meal prep content. Uh, I made some baked ziti last week with with pretty solid macros, uh, and you know you, you could go check that out. Check that out if you're interested in a uh, you know fun kind of off the wall, off the beaten path meal prep idea. Uh, but a lot of people asked about uh, healthy, relatively quick, like weeknight type dinner meals, um, and, and one of the things that I've been into. I was going to say recently, but I mean, pretty much since I was born, uh, is burritos. And the difference between a not great homemade burrito and a really, really good homemade burrito, I think, uh, comes down to the chili powder you use. So if you just get kind of like the cheap chili powder that you could buy in a store, I have no idea what what peppers it, it's made from, but it's something that just doesn't have a ton of flavor. And you can really, really kick up your homemade burritos several notches just by taking like five minutes to make your own chili powder. So th- there are, I think, two non-negotiable ingredients uh, for like a, a chili powder you're going to use for burritos. And that is some form of dried chili, obviously, and cumin. I think those are non-negotiable. Uh, and for for the dried chilies, the world is your oyster. There are so many great options out there. I've recently been really, really into dried Morita peppers, M-O-R-I-T-A. Uh, they're, they're relatively spicy. They're fruity. They have notes of like chocolate and raisin in them. They're so, so good. Uh, also a big fan of ancho chilies, New Mexico chilies. Uh, you know, you, you can get some dried chipotle peppers. Like there, there are so many options out there. Uh, guajillos are, are always a good one to kick up the spice a little bit. Um, so just buy a bunch of dried chilies, try them out, see what, see what you like. Uh, but you know, just get some dried chilies, remove the seeds. If you don't want it to be spicy, throw some cumin in there, uh, 
you know, j- just put it in uh, like a spice grinder or like a cheap coffee grinder uh, and other things that you can add into that mix just for more flavor notes. Uh, peppercorns, garlic powder, onion powder, smoked paprika, lime zest, which I would really recommend to kind of give it a, a fajita vibe, uh, blitz all of that up. And so then you have a, a nice flavorful powder, uh, chop the chicken into whatever size you want to go into your burritos, uh, put that in a bowl, throw the, the spice mix you just made over it, stir it all up. Um, to tenderize the meat and also, again, to add some nice fajita-y flavor, I'd recommend just squeezing a little bit of lime juice in, depending on the size of, of the batch you're making, either like the juice of half a lime or a whole lime. Um, and then just go ahead and the, the peppers and onions that you want to put in, go ahead and, and chop those up, toss it all together, uh, cover it, forget about it for an hour, let it marinate. So that, that first step should take you maybe about 10 minutes, so... We're looking at 10 minutes of active time so far. Uh, and then when it's time to actually eat, you just, you know, give it a stir. Make sure everything is is well uh, distributed across the meat and peppers and onions. Um, if there are any accoutrements you want with your burrito, make sure they're ready to go. So, you know, could be rice, could be beans, could be cilantro, could be uh, avocado or guacamole, could be pico de gallo, uh you know, it could be some sort of hot sauce, just anything else you want in your burrito, make sure it's ready to go because the meat's going to cook up pretty fast. Uh, and then for cooking, very straightforward, get a pan, put a little bit of oil in it just so nothing sticks right off the bat, get it over, like get the heat pretty high because you want it to sear uh, hard before a lot of liquid starts rendering out and, and steaming everything. So get it really hot, uh, just dump everything into the pan, make sure it's like relatively flat and evenly dispersed across the pan. And then the most important step, which is leave it, uh, leave it for at least probably a good solid three or four minutes during that first step, uh, before everything starts releasing liquid, you can get a good hard sear on it for, uh, you know, some nice Maillard browning, little caramelization, uh, even like if you like it slightly burned, I know some people do, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, you can get like a little bit of char on it at that step if, if that's what you prefer. Uh, and then once you've accomplished that, then it's just a matter of, of stirring it around, making sure the meat gets cooked. Um, you don't want the vegetables to get super, super soggy. So like once they start getting soft finned, but not soft, the meat should be cooked by that point. If you've like chopped it into the size of things that would go in a burrito. Uh, and then you're ready to serve. Active time for everything put together, maybe 30 minutes. Uh, and, and given the hour the hour time to marinate, you're probably looking at like an hour and a half start to finish. But again, only, only about 30 minutes of active time. Uh, and it's it, the macros can be basically as good as you want. You can even leave the burrito shell out and just like serve the stuff over rice, like a, a burrito bowl situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's lean meat, vegetables, very tiny bit of oil to, to get the whole thing started in the pan. Uh, and then everything else is up to you. It's, uh, it's very good, very easy. And, uh, again, the, the macros can be within reason, just about anything you want them to be. Didn't I tell you about cumin? No. Are you sure? <laughs> so, so dear listener, let me recount a story for you. Uh, Eric got really into lentils at one point 
And uh, the way he was making his lentils is he'd pretty much just like pop them in a pan and and generally put like some salsa or hot salsa in with them. and, And that was pretty much it. And then he comes over one day and he's like, I made some really good lentils. You should try them. I tried them. They were good. He was like, I added a special spice to them. Have you heard of cumin? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. See, that's not a. That's not totally a true story. It's it, it, that's at least ninety five percent a yeah, true yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. The the important stuff is true. I, I wasn't just making lentils in a pan with hot sauce. I was making a a soup related thing in the slow cooker in the crock pot, but it just didn't have any flavor. So like it was, it was like a soup without all the stuff that would give it anything resembling taste. And then I put in <laughs> cumin after doing some reading online and I shared that with you. And much like, curiously, much like with tapioca starch, right after I tell you about cumin, all your recipes have cumin when they did not previously. After I tell you about tapioca starch, everything you do, it's with a, you know, two cups of tapioca starch. So I, I don't know. Every time I have fed you burritos, they've had cumin. <laughs> Every time I fed you ice cream, it's had tapioca starch. Okay. Has Have any of the ice creams you fed me had cumin? Actually, one of them did. Really? If, I didn't expect that. That do, was intended to be a smart-ass joke. Do, do you remember the one that was like yellowish, slightly brown? Uh, I do. That had like Indian flavor? Yeah. So that was like a, a homemade uh, garam masala powder and uh, a, a spice that comes from like a, a dried mango called amchur. So it was like garam masala and amchur. Yeah, I liked that ice cream. I thought it was really good. Yeah, it, it was a bold. It was a bold flavor. It was. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was good. But yeah, there, there there was cumin in that in the in the garam masala. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Uh, we're done. Um, that's the the key. You got to end strong. Hell yeah! By, by just backing away from the the microphone and saying, "I'm done." I mean, I got nothing else to cover. Uh, ho- hope you enjoyed this very high effort, high preparation episode of the Stronger by Science podcast series. Uh, if you enjoyed it, uh, leave us a rating on iTunes or or wherever you rate podcasts. If you didn't like it, uh, also leave a rating, but like kind of go over the top when you're reviewing it because we think those are funny. Um, you, you can, uh, you'll probably hear from us again in somewhere between four to six weeks from now. Um, who knows? You might hear from us again next week, might be four weeks, might be six weeks. Uh, this is not the last episode of the podcast ever. Um, yeah, anyway, bye. Thank you for listening to the Stronger by Science podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to sign up for our free newsletter to get concise breakdowns of relevant research, as well as 28 free training programs for all skill levels and all schedules. We hate spam just as much as you do, so we'll only email you when we have something really interesting to share with you. You can sign up for the free newsletter at strongerbyscience.com newsletter, or just go to the Stronger by Science homepage and click the free programs button at the top. If you want to join in on the Stronger by Science podcast conversation, be sure to check out our Facebook group and our subreddit. The links for both are provided in the description of today's episode. Finally, please remember that we are not medical doctors or registered dietitians. So before you make any changes to your exercise or nutrition habits, be sure to check with a qualified healthcare professional. 
Once again, thank you for listening, and we will be back soon with another episode of the Stronger by Science podcast.